Uh, Dan, you want to start the show? Yes, sir. Wait, Ladies I and gentlemen, think, I don't think she. I don't think she knows how we start the show. This is going to be a nice experience for her. She's going to get the, <laughs> the the full ride. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got something exciting for you. The first thing is Phil is playing normal Some music for once. Better than most. I had to put up a front, I know. We had to let this go. Cause what I would do for you won't do for me, I know. We tried to stay for the lows. Patience with patience, but damn, I know We tried to stay for the go Cause what I would do for you, won't do for me, I know Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes for for you. Pick you up, let you go, maybe I'll fight for you Damn, she would've lied for me, Sounds of Valerie Omari, you're hearing uh, the soulful, soulful sounds of the R&B artist that, I mean, you've probably read the title of the, of the podcast. So you know, already know that this is a special interview episode. Uh, we have none other than Valerie Omari uh, right here. I'm going to say in the studio, but you guys obviously understand what we mean by in the studio, right? So uh, before we get into it, we're going to start the show with the right energy. So Valerie, um, this, is, this is the thing that we do on our podcast, just to make sure the energy of the show is right. So I have to ask you, mm-hmm. and I have to ask Phil, are both of y'all, are y'all good to go? Sound of the thing, man. Let me hear a drum play. Oi. Welcome to another episode of Two Broke Twimbos. My name's Danny, that guy, your boy, aka Danos the Mad Titan, aka Denford Wigumaraini, aka Denimbi, my life, your entertainment, aka I'm done with these streets. My name still ain't been dropped on no documentaries, aka Hakuna Moon Wendy Danmu. That's right, that's right. He's here with the one and only, the unmistakable, the irrefutable, the unquestionable, that you won't ever catch me on camera, Bull Phil Chart, aka Flame Floss, the big boss, baby, aka Pizza P, aka Sexington Lovu. A.K. Filthy Phil, A.K. DJ Munkaraji, end of curse. <clears throat> you know, actually, then now that we got a singer on the show, maybe she should do it for me, but you know. <clears throat> Sorry, my, my voice is gone, guys. I've got COVID. After four years of avoiding Disgusting. it, it finally caught up to me, man. Phil, this, what, broken, man. this is what I was saying earlier, Phil. We're two men on a podcast. We have to stay on brand. We don't believe COVID mm-hmm. exists. And uh, mm-hmm, and basically, I can't believe they did that to my man Trump, yo. Mm. Well, thankfully, what? I've got I've got a good stash of ivermectin in the back. I've been <laughs> taking that nonstop. 
It's doing wonders right now. I don't know if you're being... I don't know if you're being serious, right? Why would I be taking ivermectin, Dan? Dan, come on. I don't... People Dan. get desperate when they get COVID, man. Dan. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, you know what? I've, I've, I've got to shout out one of... There's a local pharmacy. I'm not going to mention their names. I went to them and I was like, yo. So I had a bunch of those rapid, those rapid test kits mm-hmm. from the UK and then they ran out. So I, I'd been testing every day. So I was like, screw it. Let me, let, me, let me try and get some more. So there's no rapid tests apparently in all of H. There's only the, the swab items where you got to pay like a hundred bucks. Well, the price has dropped. But anyway, so while I'm there, I'm like, uh, yo, okay, I think I'm, I've got COVID. I'm just trying to get some supplies. They're like, oh, by the way, you know, we have a COVID kit. I was like, oh, really? Do tell me more. What is in your COVID kit? And they began to list off all the medication that science has proven does nothing to cure COVID. Guess how much they were selling this kit for, Dan? I, uh, my estimate is 80 bucks. Damn it. You actually get close. It was 87 <laughs> US dollars. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's not get distracted. Let's not get distracted. So uh, you've been hearing a few ad libs. Um, and as we already alluded to at the beginning of the show when we dropped the song, uh, we've got none other than Valerie Omari. Uh, Valerie Omari uh, hails uh, currently in the States, but coming through from the DRC, R&B singer with the most, as you know, we always plug you with the best. Uh, and uh, we got a chance to listen to a brand new EP and we loved it. And as you know, we only bring people that we love onto the show. So we're very excited and very honored that you're able to join us, Valerie. And it's please, <laughs> welcome to the Madhouse. If you feel like you also want to do a mad intro to get your energy up, you're welcome to. But I understand that you didn't have time to prepare and whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. <laughs> mm. I was not given a heads up, okay? Otherwise, I would have gotten my roar in and, you know, my little <laughs> whatever I needed to do. <laughs> no, dope, know. dope, dope. Uh, I, thank you. Thank you. Where are, where are you at fine. the moment? Um, currently, I'm in Portland, Maine. So it's all the way on the south side of the U.S. Very calm, close to the lakes, a lot of trees, a lot of woods, a lot of cabins. So that's where I'm at right now. Nice, yeah. nice, I've, nice, I've, nice, I've, nice, see, I've seen that movie. Don't in, don't investigate the sound outside. <laughs> it's like black yeah. people don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were excited when we listened to Valerie. I, I must confess, before I got this EP, I hadn't heard about you. I didn't know your music. So I had to go back and listen to, to Therefore I Am that you put out, I think, three years ago now three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. listen, I, everything, I'm, I'm really enjoying your music so far. I'm glad that I've discovered your music and it will be, it will be great to introduce you to, to our audience. Um, Phil, I don't know, had you listened to her stuff before? No, this was actually the first time um, I, I came across this stuff as well. So I, I, I really loved it. Very I cool. appreciate the fact that I'm I'm getting a different or a new audience. You know, I always get excited when someone listens to the music for the first time. No judgment, where it's like no one really gave it to you, and you have to kind of go back and sit and listen to it. You know, and just be very optimistic. Um, and the fact that you heard the first project and then the second project, and were like, yeah, I want this part of the show. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure your people will tell you. Um, we say no more than we say yes a lot of times for interview requests. And a lot of the time it's simply because um, if we're not vibing with the artist, if we're not feeling the music, we really aren't going to, we don't feel we're going to have a good interview. And we, we, we certainly just don't want to do it. You know, um, half the time our, audi- our, our audiences would rather listen to Dan and I ramble on about, you know, our male enhancement pills and everything else that we do. Uh, so, 
whenever we do have a guest, we want to, we want to make sure it's worthwhile because um, we definitely have been, have been feeling in music. I think even Tuli got hold of me, I think it was last year, um, when your first single had dropped. And I was like, yo, okay, this is fire. When is a project dropping? Let's schedule an interview around a project because uh, we wouldn't want to waste an interview as well. So yeah, and I think there would have there would have been definitely more substance to talk about since the project released. And if it was since last year, I was not aware that she had contacted you last year already. And that means the patient was real. And I appreciate that you waited for the entire thing to drop because I wanted you guys to maybe listen to the entire project so you have more than just a song to to lean back on. You know, so, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. Do you listen to everything from start to finish? When you say everything, do you mean your EP or like everything you've ever released in your life? <laughs> yes, everything I've ever released. Absolutely. Oh, oh we, are listened we to... dig into catalogs. Once we, we, can, we dig into the catalogs, because what, 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 what if you're cheating on the test and like maybe you, you got a ghostwriter for this project, but then the last three projects went bang and now we got to ask questions like, wait a minute, what happened here? Like, who so, knows? Were, were your lyrics written by AI? I don't know. You know what I mean? Did you, mm. did you get Chat GPT to write your songs? We don't know, Valerie. We've got to find out. Um, I, I, I only listened to the Closure EP and then a couple of singles from Therefore I Am. Um, so, by the way, for the, if you're listening right now, Valerie's just released mm-hmm. uh, her EP Closure, which is getting rave reviews, not just from us, but from others. Don't just take our word for it. So, uh, um, I mean, we want to we wanna hear a little bit about your story, uh, both Phil and myself are Zimbabweans. So, you know, there's... The fact that you live in DRC. Mm-hmm. We're basically neighbors. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're from the DRC. It's basically, yeah. I mean, stones throw away. We grew up together. You know what I'm saying? I, I, see what you, I see what you did there, Dan. Stones throw Zimbabwe, DRC, stone. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a reach. That's such a reach. <laughs> um, and something that we've been championing on this podcast is African music. We, we not just from Zimbabwe, uh, which obviously we pay more attention to, but like throughout the, uh, throughout Africa, really, especially, uh, um, you know, sub-Saharan Africa. So we're very keen on also spreading your music. Um, Did you, were you making music while you were still in the DRC before you moved to, to Texas? No, actually I had never lived in like the DRC for so long. I, my family migrated when I was about two years old to South Africa. So my entire childhood was actually based in South Africa. So I've only been in the DRC twice after I moved. Mm. And obviously I was a little girl when I left. So um, my parents, they kind of kept culture because they still go back and forth to the Congo. But as far as I know, majority of my childhood was in South Africa. So I would know more of the culture there than I do in Congo. But it does not take away from the fact that I'm still very, very, very Congolese. <laughs> very. Yeah, good, good, good. That, that's a good disclaimer yeah. because they were going to come for you. They were going to come for you. Yeah, come, <laughs> come for my neck. I know, I know. But I'm one of those people where, I'm sorry, the food is too good, the culture is too good, the people's too good for me to like neglect that. So there's no way I can be like, oh no, it's African race. I don't speak about the Congo. That's where I'm from, you know. 10 feet strong, <laughs> 10 toes strong, <laughs> do, something like that. Do you still feel connected to that culture? Uh, I know you, I, I noticed a couple of songs on your, on your EP were in French, or at least had some French mm-hmm. in them. 
Yeah, no, 100%. Um, my parents still speak to me in French. I still speak French. And on the first EP, I wasn't really present. And I think after doing lockdown 2020, I was stuck in Congo for a year. I was meant to go visit some family and then lockdown happened and then the whole country went on shutdown. Mm. So it gave me time to really, I guess, experience the culture and the people. And I dived into, started writing music in Congo while I was stuck in, in, in lockdown. And I was like, well, I speak French and I've never dived into that in my music, you know, and I speak so highly of where I'm from and, you know, and be so proud, but it's not evident in my music. And um, the two years I had taken off to to work and just write, that's when I was like, hey, listen, it's time to throw some French in there. So um, I did. And obviously because French people are very, very particular about the pronunciation and words, I had to then send the song off to multiple people and be like, hey, is this phrase said right? Because otherwise I would slit my throat for that. Mm. <laughs> so um, that was the journey pretty much. All right, all right, all right. So let's take a step back though, because you, you mentioned um, your family immigrated a couple of times. So growing up in South Africa, what what was that like? Um, and was there any early introductions to music while you were in South Africa as a kid? Um, no, not necessarily. My family just had really good taste in music. They were never musical. Um, mm-hmm. We grew up pretty, pretty poor, so we never really had a TV. Um, everything was just on radio. So everything I ever heard was tuned. At the time, they were playing a lot of Janet Jackson, Lauren Hill. They would play Christina Aguilera. So my ear to music was just off the little radio we had on the table growing up. Um, and in South Africa at the time, I think you must be familiar, there was a lot of like xenophobia happening at the time. So I was at home or at school most of the time, never really on the streets. Um, and that really enough shaped the kind of music I was exposed to. And I think mm-hmm. my parents were very also particular to what stations we were listening to. So there was very R&B, very pop radio. And I think if I was listening to anything else with it was like, let's say Roomba or like if I was listening to rock, I think I would have gone into that genre because my household was so exposed to R&B at the time. That's what the kind of music I was making. And it wasn't really based off South Africa or Congo. It was just what I was exposed to because that's what we could afford to listen to. Okay. What, what time period was this? This, we're looking at about 2001. Okay. Oh, okay. 2001, 2000 and beyond. Because I remember we migrated around maybe 98. Ah, uh, right. Two years uh, old uh, at uh, night. Hold on, hold on. I'm just doing some quick maths. Two years old at 98. <laughs> There's nothing quick about your maths, Dan. Is it quick math? Yeah, you, okay, got it. I got it. I figured, I figured it out. I figured it out. All right. Um, so take us to the next phase. So you're Wait, in South Africa. You, you're listening to music. Um, do you now start writing? When When do you realize you actually want to start creating your own music? Um. To be honest, it must have been in high school. In high school, I remember being the person that was auditioning for all the cool spot, the cool spots on on talent shows or whatever, and getting them. And then I remember seeing my parents watching me at a talent show and be like, "Hey, this girl's got something. We don't know what it is, but there's something there." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I remember my dad coming to me and being like, "We're not pursuing this until you go to school and get a degree." And I was just like, "Damn, that's like a couple of years of my life, you know." But um. I'm so grateful that they did because I went to university for about five years and I did financial management and I got that degree. And then in between that, I was still working on music, writing stuff, 
by the time I was done with uh, with studying, and I remember I was pretty young when I finished university. I'd gotten into university when I was like 17. I was the youngest amongst my class members. And when I was done, I then, in the process of that, I released my first EP, Therefore I Am, and graduated during that time. And then I told mm-hmm. my dad, I was like, hey, here's a degree. I just released music. Like, you really can't say anything at this point because you asked where I gave it to you. And um, mm-hmm. they've just been super supportive. In the year that I released the first EP, a couple of months later, I had Carl Anderson, who was the CEO, who is the CEO of Apple Music Africa. He reached out to me on all, but I tell you, he reached out to me on Facebook, on Instagram, because I didn't have my email at the time, trying to get a hold of me on like, hey, Val, we made you Apple Music Artist of the Month and we need to get a hold of you, <laughs> you know, um, and when I saw the message, I was like, who is this person? What does this white man want from me? <laughs> and then I saw the text message and um, they made me Apple Music Artist of the Month out of all the artists they have in the entire continent. And I think that was the first stepping stone, like, yo, I can actually really do this. And that was 2019. And that kind of kickstarts everything till today. All right, all right, Very cool. Right. Oh, that's dope. I think we'll come back to that. But I'm also noticing, like, you're jumping a lot. Don't worry, Valley. We've got a lot of time. We really want to dig it. We really want to dig into the story. So, like, um, you mentioned high school and then university. So, when did you leave South Africa for America? About seven months ago. Oh, so this is, so, very, this, this is a recent move. St- still, mm-hmm, so very, I'm very, very I'm, move. sorry, I'm very curious about, um, this is the picture that I have. Here you are in uh, South Africa, daughter of an immigrant family. Um, mm-hmm. It's not so easy to be outside. Like you said, you weren't really outside like that. How do you, how do you, where do you meet with the people that allow you to record? Where do you find the studios and the producers and the, uh, the people in the music industry that allow you to put together this first EP of yours? How did that happen? Um, because I was in a school and I was doing kind of like talent shows and all these things, it was easy to spot the musicians in mm-hmm. groups. So when I started being around those musicians, they led me to other musicians. And that's how I made my first producer, China. And he produced the entire EP on Therefore I Am. And he was a person that was just a friend. I was like, hey, I'm doing this music thing. And he was going to actually a music college. And he had access 24-7 to music studios. And we spoke to the headmaster at the time and was like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is the potential. And they gave us full access to one of the top best studios in South Africa, which happens to be Cape Audio. And we've had people like AKA RIP to him who come through and we and recorded and so many other great artists. And here I was and I had full 24 hour access because it was this amazing kid that actually studied there and everyone knew about him. Um, and that's how it started. It was just like knocking on the door and being like, hey, can we use the suit to record? And the school was like, yeah, of course. That was pretty much it. Very cool. Oh, nice, 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 nice. So uh, you went to university in Cape Town, if I understand correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, nice, nice, nice. Dan, so you guys are neighbors. <laughs> what what what, much, what, eh? what Phil is referring to is I've recently spent a lot of time in Cape Town because my now wife um, hails Ooh, from the Cape. Congratulations, first of all. Much. Thank you very much. It's been four months now. We're still in the honeymoon phase. I hope it lasts forever. Um, but yeah. Prepare yourselves. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I think that's very cool. I, I think... A lot of uh, a lot of artists. Um, I mean, we have all kinds of listeners, but a lot of them also are artists who are keen on following the music industry and discussions about how to get into music and so on. And I think 
it's always interesting. I, I, I notice a trend with a lot of people that we speak to that they normally catch their big break by just being ready. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you make your music, put it out there, have music ready, have, have, you know, you've, you've, you've sort of organized a studio where it was very serendipitous for yourself. But the point is you've put out music um, and you just need to be mm-hmm. available. Just be there, have, and the opportunities will come. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's almost a, a little bit of a relief because it's not an easy industry, right? It's, it's difficult. I mean, a hundred percent. And you know, the one thing I've learned about this industry is you can be the most talented person, but if your consistency is not overriding, you wanting to be perfect, you're going to drown in this industry. And I've come across people who have amazing work and they sit there and they try to tweak their work to perfection. And then when they put out their work, they don't have a follow up for it. And mm. it's like, mm. it's, well, it's great to have good music, but you need to be consistent. And if anything I've learned from my team is that consistency beats perfection any day. It's being able to put out music and people being able to have a demand and you being ready to put out that product. And that's what I think makes great artists is being able to see a demand and supply. Um, because you can't sit on two great songs forever, you know. And that's why I kind of dislike the industry right now because people are trying to put out, push out really fast little singles and then they kind of die out within a couple of weeks or months and then here comes another single and no one really takes the time out to craft a body of work and then present that because that's what everyone did back in the days from your Michael Jackson to your everyone that was releasing music from your Beyonce's, it was just a body of 20 tracks and you could sit with it for a whole year. But at least, you know, you had 20 good songs on there and it wasn't these little songs, little singles coming out every couple of months, you know, but, um, Hey, each to his own. Bingo. You know, I, you know, I knew I liked you. I like the thinking. We're on the same wavelength. This is, this, this is exactly the type of advice we, we, we try to give artists on this platform. These are the same fights I'll be having with my artists. In fact, I should, I should, I should, I, are you free next week? Maybe I can call you into a studio session and just like, guys, listen, look, someone else is saying it too. Please bother <laughs> me. I'm here. I'm ready for you. <laughs> My ears open. I didn't know you managed artists. You have artists that you've been managing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just a few, a few, a few, but this isn't about, this isn't about us, it's about you right now. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that after the show. We'll get to that after the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's a give and take, you know, it's a give and take, give and take. Um, <laughs> So, so Valerie, here we I have. Um, I'm thinking back to to the release of this EP back in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, you've just finished university. Um, mm-hmm. You finally, you can finally do it without the threat of of parental parental disapproval above you. And yep. uh, you know, you've mm-hmm. you've worked here in the studio and you've put it out, and almost immediately you get recognition because now you got Apple uh, uh, labeling you as as artist of the month. Uh, I think you also got recognition in other places like OK Africa and, mm-hmm. and so many yeah. other places that are, this is up next is the next big thing. This is hot and whatever. Did that, was that all good or did it give you any kind of pressure? Like, damn, now I got to, I got to deliver now that there's so much, uh, so many eyeballs in my direction. Oh no, it definitely gave me a high level of anxiety. <laughs> Cause you know, when I released the first EP, there was no structure. There was no, no expectations and me and my producer like I said we worked on all seven songs by ourselves and it was kind of like hey this this sounds cool let's put it out and let's see what comes from it thank god before we put out the EP we had already recorded a whole bunch of songs prior to that 
So we're sitting on things in the archives that we had no idea what we want to do with it. Smart. So when the music was released and we heard people's feedback, it was like, oh, damn, they kind of really like this, you know? Hmm. Um, we knew the body of work was, was good. There was no denying the talent there. It was just so much how it was going to be received that we weren't expecting that. Um, and that took us by surprise because I think the first EP racked up something like two or 300,000 streams independently. And that was a major surprise to the both of us. And it was like, what do we do? Because we understood the music industry, but we didn't understand the music business. And it was for us to go back and really understand royalties and streams and sync deals and all of those things. And I had no manager at the time. So we kind of mm -hmm. were just winging it, to be honest. But that's how it should be. This, you know, I'm loving this conversation already. But I, I, to me, I think that's the most valuable thing because a lot of the discussions um, I have with artists or when they come on this platform where they ask for advice is they're, they're always rushing to get a manager. And my advice is if you are at a point where you're getting less than three hours of sleep a day because you're overwhelmed with work and you can afford a manager, then get a manager. But until then you need to start doing stuff yourself because how do you hire someone when you don't know what their roles and responsibilities are supposed to be? If you don't know how to execute yourself, how can you then have someone do it for you? Because sadly, and we've noticed it a lot is the people that end up rushing to get managers, get managers who don't have the skills or the talent. And then you as an artist can't gauge, is this person good or not at their job? And you don't know how much money that person is costing you in the back end because they're just so bad at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, you you know, I believe in steps, you know, there's not going to be the right or the wrong steps, but there are steps and, and levels to these things. And you can't be jumping levels and you have to be patient because sometimes you're put in that position to experience that very thing. If you're an independent artist and you have no managers because you need to go through the process of understanding your craft, understanding your value. That way when a manager comes through, you know that this person's not going to screw you over because you understand the worth and value. But if you're someone that's in a rush to get a manager, but you know you haven't really done the groundwork, this manager can see your worth before you see your worth. And therefore that's how we fall into situations where you're taking advantage of or, you know, but you need to go through the steps. You need to go through the struggles of being independent. You need to go through the struggles of like not being able to find where to record the studios, where to find the right producer. Cause it makes you so much more grateful when you have those doors open up for you because you know how it felt like to not have that access. So you appreciate that a lot more. So I don't rush the process. You have to be, understanding that every process or every step is there for a reason. Mm. But yeah. Trust the process. Um, Valerie. So again, still trying to visualize here you are in Cape town. You've just released this EP. It's uh, it's, you said it racked up over 200,000 streams independently, which is great numbers. Mm -hmm. who, who was listening to you? Was it your, was it South Africans? Was it people in Africa or just like a very global audience? Weirdly enough, the top three people I had on on my streams was Africa, Ghana, and America. Mm. And um, I think that also maybe influenced my decision to move out here. But those were the people that were listening to my music. And it was really just a word of mouth. And I remember at the time when I released the EP, I woke up one morning and I remember just seeing a whole bunch of notifications on Instagram pop up. And I was like, what's going on? Got into Instagram and I realized that Black Coffee had stumbled upon the EP. I don't even know how, but Black Coffee reshared the EP and was like, 
I don't know this girl, but this is amazing. And from there, I just started seeing a whole bunch of people following me, just reposting. And, you know, because I mean, at the time, Black Coffee is still one of the biggest DJs in the entire world, you know. So to have that recognition was just like, well, I called my producer and I was like, did you see what's going on? He was like, what did we just do? <laughs> and I know that kind of spiraled a lot of things as well thereafter. Very cool. So yeah. making R&B at the time with a, with a, a South African, primarily South African audience. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm just trying to understand what the situation on the ground, on the ground was like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the time, the, the average, um, I guess, radio station or, you know, playlist on someone's Apple Music or Spotify or whatever the case was, probably had a lot of, Ama Piano was just coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, Gom mm-hmm. was probably still quite a strong thing, a house, et cetera, et cetera. And hip hop, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, was there a strong R&B scene in Cape Town, South Africa as a whole? No, not necessarily. And I think this is what's crazy is that there's always been a misconception that R&B is like this almost dying genre. But when you look at the aspect of things and you look at every other genre that's come and go, whether it's been Ama Piano, Kwaito, R&B has always been consistent because R&B, I feel, has been the foundation of most genres. And I think that's why it's always been then it works. It's because doesn't matter where you go in the world, there's going to be a genre for R&B where you see something like I'm a piano, which is only breaking through recently. And we don't even know how long it's going to stick around for, but we're grateful that it's there. Um, I feel like when I was making R&B in South Africa, there wasn't really a, a big market for it. Because mm. at the time we had just started hearing off people like Summer Walker and her and, you know, all these new artists that were coming out. Um, and I felt like, hey, if there isn't a market for R&B here, you have to create it. Someone needs to start somewhere. And you don't realize how impactful the music you put out is until a couple of years later. And you're like, well, I formed part of a group of people that still made people go, hey, listen, R&B is very here and very present. This misconception of R&B as a dying genre is completely, is is weird to me because Mm. throughout the years, it's been evident that R&B definitely has been consistent out of a lot of different genres. Oh, de- so, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not dying. I mean, you know, uh, um, the 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 youth, the youth are listening to a lot of R and B, uh, or or R and B adjacent. So uh, no, even R and B, especially that, that that Cape Town scene. You guys have a strong like you, Manana. Um, you got Telemann, Una Rams. There's, there's a whole crop of you guys doing a lot of amazing stuff out there, man. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Shout out Telemann. Telemann's an amazing songwriter too. I got to work with one of his songwriters. His name is Lusty. He's the one that did mm. Chapter 19 on Therefore I Am. That whole yeah. that whole camp is just filled with blessings of people. And it's just a pity sometimes that, you know, in South Africa, they have this thing of um, showing love to you in person. But when it comes to doing the most on the internet, people don't really ride with you like that. But they know the support is real when they come out in numbers for a concert or a show. But Telemann, yeah. Lusty, Nasty C, all those guys in that team is just they brilliant. Love it, love it, love it, love it. By, so, by, by the way, one, Valerie, sorry, just before we continue on the music discussion, in our extensive research, uh, I kept seeing you being referred to as the athlete and songwriter. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you an <laughs> yeah, athlete I as used, well? 
Yeah, I used to be a professional athlete. I ran track for um, 100 meters and I did shot put professionally. So I'm not sure if people are familiar with shot put, but it's like you have this heavy, heavy ball that you have to throw as far as you can. That I was qualified for for the Women Olympics. And I remember at the time when I was scouted to do um, shot put, I was in the process of like trying to figure out going into music. And I knew that I had the skill for it, but there was no passion and me telling my coach, oh, I've got passion for music and maybe let me go struggle over there in the music industry. <laughs> so like, I just, I chose to not part of the sports world. Even my parents were a bit shocked with it because they were like, there's a lot, a lot more money, easier money within the sports field, but there was no passion at all. You know, I was really, really good at it. It got me pretty far, but there was zero, zero passion at all. Very so nice. here I am making music. Well, <laughs> look, you missed out. Eh? I don't know if you heard, but the Olympic Village had a lot of condoms added there. So I don't know if that would have <laughs> been fun for you. There was no beer. So, yeah, this, this, I missed a couple of rags. You know, there's <laughs> a bigger bag on that side, a quicker bag. But very interesting. All right, cool. it's, it's not going to make me happy when I go to sleep at night. There's a few things to unpack there. I think first and foremost, Dad, I think, I think uh, it's, it's a compliment that we are pretty enough that Valerie thinks we are too dumb to know what short put is. Thanks. Um, so the, <laughs> that, you know, I'll take it as a compliment. Thank I you. I had thank to you. ask. Okay, there was no, take no offense because some people like shot put. What is shot put? Listen, I did. I did shot put in high school. I I threw it and it hit my foot. <laughs> Do no. you have one of those arms? <laughs> He still has it, Dan. Please show your bicep. No, no, don't, don't mess. Flash, fl- flash the guns. Look, look, look at look at those negative guns. The negative guns. These negative guns. Haters, haters gonna hate. Well, I cannot. Um, I see why you call yourself filthy full. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. You have you have quite the story. So. Um, in fact, let's, let's take it back. Um, walk us through your, your writing process. So how did you start writing songs? And then how has that process evolved up until now? I started really writing songs when I went through my first heartbreak. And that must have been like towards the end of high school at some sort. I caused all, or I've only been into relationships and both of them I ended. And both of them I ended to follow my career. Um, heartbreaks have been the easiest for me to write about because when I'm sad, I just like alert towards my music and I'm able to write. And for some reason, people connect to it. So it, mm. it makes sense. People love being sad. So it works. Um, but my writing process has been purely based on experiences. I haven't been able to work with other songwriters until recently because now I've got a bigger team and you know more people working with me. But before mm-hmm. it was just me and my experiences and hoping that people will be able to m- connect or make sense of it. Um, but yeah, it's just heartbreaks have saved me a lot when it comes to writing, for sure. Y- y- you know where the danger is, Valerie? You'll, you, you'll, you know what, you'll get, into, you'll get into this Adele slash Drake problem where all your biggest fans, are gonna, <laughs> they're going to be wishing for you to have your heart broken. Because they're like, ooh, know. that new man she's with or, you know, new whoever she's with. Mm-hmm. I just hope, I, I hope, I hope he or she or they break her heart. <laughs> ooh, come yeah, they're on. They're part of the storyline. And sometimes I really have to go back and tell my exes, I'm like, I'm really sorry about that voice message you sent me about like seven months <laughs> now. 
in how a relationship is now part of Phil, what, what did that yeah, be? Your, what did that be your biggest fear, Phil? Like if you were dating an artist, like I can't send a voice note from. Yeah, yeah. Just a, just a word of advice, Phil. You might want to do that before you release the song because uh, ask Drake. He, he's he's got a he's got a couple millions. He's he's sending to exes because of that stuff. Yeah, but you know, thank God that my exes were kind of obsessed with me. So I know Ow. that they, they've seen him off the fact that they can hear their voice messages in a song. Ow. And we have this beautiful thing called NDAs that they signed. Ow. <laughs> so, ah, you know, Dan, you know, when they say about how savage the amateur thousands are, <laughs> I don't understand. Ah, oh, hey, your generation. Ah, these are savage. Can you hear, can you hear these grants? Uh, yo. <laughs> yeah, no, a bit of time prepared. I saw this. I saw this one article of Bad Bunny's ex girlfriend who sued him for thirty for forty million dollars, but she used her her voice as his tagline for his beats, mm-hmm. and she won the case forty million. And I was like, thank God, there's a thing called NDAs because. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, no, wow. but, that, but that's, that's kind rough. of egregious, though. It's not, I didn't just play it as a skit on a song or, or whatever. I literally used it as a tagline. I mean, come on. As a tagline. I mean, come on. In, um, in beat, come on. So, mm, yeah. and you know, Bad Bunny is making, is making the racks. So. Yeah, yeah. Bad Bunny is, is a whole other story there. Mm-hmm. I, I literally have never heard a Bad Bunny song. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, obviously, I know I've heard a Bad Bunny song. I just can't think of one. But I know what you mean. But he's yeah, literally me like... Too. It's one of those artists you know that they're doing really great in the scene, but you don't really know what their yeah. songs are. Um, going, going back to your story. So yeah. um, did you move to the States for music? Was that like a, a leap of faith type of thing? Yeah, it was. Um I kept having this consistent dream that I was in the wrong place over and over. And I'm, I'm very, me and God, God's my homie and we speak a lot. And I just knew that I, I did my time in South Africa that I needed to move. And it just so happened that the guys that gave me my distribution deal, Platoon, after, you know, going through the whole Apple Music Artist of the Month thing, um, I then was offered a distribution contract by a company called Platoon. And they had three households, which was in South Africa, the UK and America. And when they said they had a branch in America and I kept thinking about the dream that I was having, let me tell you, I packed my suitcases with about two months and applied for my visa and everything. And I was out here in the next like, three months from the time I, you know, made that decision. But it was literally me just blindly. I'm very, very impulsive. I'm always the people that's like, if I said, what's the worst that could happen? You know? Mm. Um, so I blindly moved out here. When I moved out here, none of my best friends or anyone knew, because I knew if I spoken to them, they would have convinced me enough to maybe stay a couple of months. And I had to make the selfish decision and like go after what I wanted and then let the rest follow suit. So here I was, packed my bags, and I was like, I'm going to the United States, the land of the free, you know, where dreams come true. <laughs> straight straight <laughs> into know, the heart. Watching- Mm, the heart of of business and entertainment and yeah. buzz right there in mm-hmm. Portland there just just really in the middle of the action yeah i got here it showed me flames <laughs> you know but um the thing of consistency is is what what has paid off for real for real um mm. but 
I did take that leap of faith, faith and just closed my eyes. And I was like, God, you're calling me over there. If I, if I mess up, it's you and me both. Okay. <laughs> so here I was. Very so cool. why, why, why Portland, Maine, um, as opposed to the, the other um, music hub cities in America? Um, because I was already from a really big city and they had, number one, my brother had been here. They had mm-hmm. the easiest immigration process in Portland. Once I moved here as well, I had realized that I was in almost isolation. There was there was no city. The clubs, didn't, there's no clubs in Portland, first of all. Everything mm-hmm. goes at one in the morning. I get to jog at two in the morning on the streets freely. There's a different level of safety. We're very close to Canada, so you understand the just security that is on the side. Um, once I got here and I did my immigration process and all that, I realized how much I actually loved being a town girl. And I realized why a lot of big, great artists don't live in the city mm-hmm. is that that noise can be very, very clouding to your creative process. And it's nice because I'm like three hours away driving from New York. I'm two hours away from Boston. And if, if I want to be in the mix and be in the streets like that, just take a quick drive up, you know, but mm. being isolated and being able to just sit with my thoughts, my feelings and talk to God and write has been the biggest blessing I did not know I needed. So here I found myself stuck here longer than I was supposed to be. <laughs> nice. Nice. Actually, makes well, sense. I, I, I was in, I was in New Hampshire when I was there. So I'm somewhat familiar with what you're talking about because they literally, um, the, the next day over. So I've got a question for you. When I was in New Hampshire, we could count the black people in one hand. Is it like that where you at? Or, uh, are they more? Are they more black people? <laughs> yeah. No, trust me, it doesn't change. Point. <laughs> okay. People knew, and let me tell you, I was black, black, black. I had my braids on. I was out doing colors, and I got out the airport. And I was like, "Why is everybody looking at me?" <laughs> and the further in, I started driving and going to the stores. I was like. Because they ain't no people. They, my people are not here, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. um, it has definitely been an adjustment. But what's crazy is about the towns that have very little black people. It's like there's so much love in these towns. The friendliness, how kind the people are. It's almost scary. You think that they're just doing that because you're a person of color or whatever. But you realize like, no, these small towns have the sense of community and union and everyone is just nice in general. And it's not because of the color of your skin. They're just really nice, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I make part of the 3% of people that form part of the other. And the 97% <laughs> of white. <laughs> Look, <laughs> let, let's just be grateful yeah. that your experience has been positive so far. So that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. I haven't encountered any, you know, any racial situation. The complete opposite, actually. So I've been blessed. Can't complain. Okay. Nice, 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 nice. So shall we talk then about when you started working on, on your just released EP, uh, just came out last month, uh, Closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you start? Did you start working on that before you moved to the States or is that where you, where you were working on it? No, I started working on it before I moved to the States. I think I had already known that the first EP was already, um, it put me on a pedestal to have people have some sort of demand for the music. And um, when I started seeing people request more music, I was like, oh, damn, people actually want to hear more from me. So I started writing Closure already in Cape Town. Um, hence the feature on the If I Tried was written by myself. And then I slid into someone's DM, the guy, the rabbi himself. We still have never met till this day. 
actually mm. every feature on the EP I've never met, <laughs> ironically. Oh, dope. Um, I slid into his DM and I was like, okay, um, I have a song that I'm working on. I, I've heard your stuff and I think that you'd be great. Um, and then two days later, because he self-produced, he sent me back his vocals mixed and mastered. And I was like, are you kidding me? And that that's how If I Tried came about. But when I started working on the song, I was still with my ex at the time. And he was a part of the process. And it's so crazy because when we were writing the songs, little did I know that I was basically projecting our breakup right now. <laughs> and I look back at every single song that we have and I'm just like, wow, I actually was writing about you before we got to this breakup process. Um, the song titled Closure on there, which has some French in, he was from Belgium, so he was French speaking too. He actually helped write that song. So the fact that I'm sitting with a heartbreak song that's dedicated to someone that broke my heart, but at the same time he wrote this song is kind of a tricky thing, you know? But... Um, I've been grateful to have started it into Africa and then it went as far as, you know, Europe because there's a French feature on there by the name of Smalo, who's an amazing powerhouse. He did on the song Never Know. And then we took it all the way to America with a guy called Mike Grizzly who did the song titled For You. That's the one He's, we played right at all the beginning. Of the, yeah, yeah. All of the artists on there, they're all self-produced artists. So they were able to be at home and just sit with the tracks and delivered to me within like a week or so. Obviously the mixing and mastering process went back and forth, but the features themselves, they did not blink twice with giving me quality work once it was done at all. So I have to give them the flowers because they're amazing artists. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. I, I even had to pull it up because um, Rabbi's got my favorite line on, on this project. I don't know if you heard it, but it, it's very poignant, Dan. And, and you, you, you'll understand why in, in a second, Dan, where he goes like, you said you love me. And I would believe, but even a pastor can still be a thief. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the rabbi. The, the real prophet. The real prophet the real, rabbi. That's <laughs> And if, if people, yeah, if people don't hear that, and the fact that he mentions a priest and his name is the rabbi, if, and that could go over your head real quickly, you know? So yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. The, little, the little things that he says in the song was just like, you need to listen or have the lyrics in front of you to be go, whoa, he just said that. You know, his wordplay is, is ridiculous. So so this may be the most important question of the whole interview. So uh, uh, I hope you're ready for it, Valerie. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm really sorry to hear about the breakup. Have you found closure? <laughs> Where's the, hold on, I find a, hold, hold, hold. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to answer. I, I'm kidding, I'm sorry. You don't have to, know. You know you don't. No, you don't. Have, you don't have to answer. No. He was like, "Are you healed? Are you healed?" Dan, that, I'm doing it again because that was poor. That was poor. No, I that felt bad. She was talking about a sad time. I thought that a way was, to lighten the mood. That's that, what I do. I try to brighten. That, that was embarrassing. embarrassing. Do you know what I'm saying? Embarrassing. <laughs> Are you not embarrassed? Is that what's brightening? Asking me about finding closure? Is that brightening the mood? <laughs> I mean, you know, you laughed. See, everyone's happy now. Mission accomplished. Everyone laughs like. when they said, what do you do? Cry. <laughs> All right. So, so this new, this, uh, this new EP that you've just released, uh, as I mentioned last mm-hmm. month, it's been out for, uh, maybe three weeks now, three, four weeks. Yeah. How's, mm-hmm. how's the, how's the response? How how have you found the response in general compared to Therefore I Am? Um, 
to be very frank and honest, it's the amount of support has been, I'm still an independent artist. The only thing that's changed is I've got, I now have a distribution company that's able to easily put out the work with a timeline, but the response as an independent artist has been ridiculous. We'd be running on three weeks. We're already doing over 400,000 streams in three weeks. And I wake up in the morning. Sometimes I'm just like, whoa, little old me. Um, doing this podcast with you guys, this must be maybe my 11th or 12th interview that I've done virtually in the past three weeks. But favorite, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, favorite. Oh. I won't even lie to you. This has been the most fun. I literally, I texted the manager and I was like, why did I not get this interview sooner? Was, was it the closure <laughs> joke? It was the closure joke, right? I think that's what did it. I think that's what <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> help me. <laughs> Sorry, yes, you were saying uh, 400,000 streams and Yeah, and just being woken out to all these different blogs that people are writing up by themselves, you know, it's it's nice to reach out to a blog and have them write a piece for you, but for them to be like, hey, I'd like to cover a story in, in regards to the music you're doing, and every single time, you know, now that I'm in America my releases come out from the US on US platforms, so Apple Music or even Spotify is different in Africa than from the US. It's still different categories. So we don't see the things that they see on the side. And when they had new releases come out, I saw my EP close to a the album and Alicia Keys. And I was like, whoa, this is under new releases. I can see my photo next to Alicia Keys. Like, that was crazy. Um, just to see people reach out to me to want to do podcasts and interviews and it's, it's, I'm still adjusting, you know, because um, I've always been a very private person. So to kind of lay out and explain the songs has been a weird transition, but definitely exciting. But here we are talking about my heartbreaks and closure. <laughs> I, lo- I love this, man. I love it. And, and uh, congratulations on all your recent success. And I hope more and more the growth of it. Um, I would like to ask a favor. I want yes. to I want to link you up with an artist. Which artist yet? I don't know yet, but I'm hoping that you know we can just continue building the networks and links and whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, only if you if you like the vibes and you like the connection. But uh, oh, please, please! I'm in the most creative field right now I've ever been mentally, and I I go around and tell people I'm in the most happiest phase I've ever been in my entire life. And I don't know how long this is going to last because I know happiness fluctuates so often. But please, if you have artists, whatever they want to work, I am so open because I want to captivate whatever this feeling is. I want to put it in a bowl and put it in a song, put it in music, put it in whatever. And I'm putting it in this podcast too. But this energy I've been on has just been so electric and I'd love to share it 100%. There Link me up. Dope, dope. Mm-hmm. No, no, we'll, we'll do it definitely. When we stop recording, I'll, I'll definitely, we'll definitely have a quick chat before, yes. before you have to rush, before you have a quick rush off. Um, Dan, what's your favorite uh, track from the project? My favorite track is If I Tried with the rabbi himself. Um, mm. I, I love the very spacey, and then yeah. like with your, I love it. I love it. But I, honestly, I do like the whole EP. No skips for me. All right, Valerie. If if you had to pick your favorite child, which one which one would it be? Which I one are you? Never know. Never know. On there is my baby, only because it took me a little bit out of my element, and you will mm. hear some elements of rock in there, and just like the live yeah. band. And I'm I'm looking forward to to doing that in person, um, because I think that that has so much potential. And we were busy discussing Indeed. with my manager just 
people offering potential sync deals. And, you know, this, the song has, I think at the moment has the most streams. And but it was, it's a feeling thing when I created the song and I was like, okay, we started off with, show me a place we can call home. And when I felt that immediately, and I was like, whoa, strong opening line. That was mm. the baby to, to this EP. Um, so never know is definitely my, my go-to child. Listen, if, there, if, there, if there's a fire there by your house in Portland and you have to take one of your children, you'll leave all the other four and you'll take Never Know. Yeah, okay. I'll take Never Know in a suitcase <laughs> and maybe come back for the others later. <laughs> It'll be too late by then. <laughs> now, here's a nerdy question. Who, who makes and master this project? Um, to be very honest, I'm very, very, very involved in the mixing pro- the process of this. I'm very particular because I think my first producer taught me a lot with presets and EQs that um, it doesn't matter who I'm sitting with in the room. I give them direction in, t- in the type of reverb, the type of delay, um, mm-hmm. how far in terms of tempo the delay should be. But there was this amazing guy. His name is Mike. He's part of, he was part of a group called PH Fat. They did music back in South Africa. He's- yes, I know. I know them. Girl, I, girl, I, used, to, I used to run a blog. I know all about those dudes. I know Mike and them. Yeah, so Mike Mike mixed um, the entire EP actually. So nice. I sat with him. Yeah, I sat with him in studio every single day before this EP was released, and we were sitting there like, "How do you like the volumes of this?" And me being like, "I think that the, the reverb on this, I think that the compression is a little too high. Can we reduce this?" And and thank God I've been able to learn technical terms. I just don't go in the studio and be like, the way I say, uh, 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 I don't like the way it's like reaching, you know, I can actually be like, no, the count for this and this and that. Can we maybe, you know, um, downplay this? And I'm able to speak on certain things and we bounce off ideas in that way. And Mike, Mike was an amazing mixer for, for this entire closure project. Oh, nice, nice! You actually just reminded me that he does sound engineering. I used, I used to remember we used to do stuff at the, um, the Red Bull Studios back in the day before they shut those down. Ah. We in Cape Town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice, 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 nice! You see how everything's in there, like it's such a small community. Yeah, everyone, knows everyone is so a, linked. You'd be so surprised. People, we all think that the world is so big, but everything really is a train, a flight, a bus away, and before you know it, everyone's connected and linked. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, so uh, we're going to play out with, with Never Know. Uh, Val- Valerie, if people want to get hold of you on the socials, if they want to show you some love, if they want to listen to your music, where can they find you online? I'm not a complicated person. It really is just Valerie Omari everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm most active on Facebook. Well, sorry, on Instagram. I like to keep one platform where I'm spreading the information. If you catch it, you do. So it's Valerie Omari. It's everywhere. That's where you find me. Dope, 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 dope. Th- thank you so much for joining us, Valerie. This was a great chat. Really enjoyed all the best. I appreciate um, good, you guys. For real. Good thank vibes, you. good energy. Trey, cool, Trey, cool. A great chat. Love your music. Wish you all the success. If we can do anything to help you or support you or link you up with someone or help you grow. I mean, you, you've, you've got your people at Platoon, so I don't know. But still, if we can help in any way, then mm-hmm. please do call on us. Oh, now, now that I know I'm in contact with you guys, don't don't put that option out there. I'm a person I bother and nag. So if I'm like, hey, listen. And the thing is, I've been to, to Harare before, a couple of years before. I think twice I was in Mashringo. And I think that's how you say it. But um, yeah, I well have done. you guys on lock. Your go. contact will be used and abused. 
a place we can call home Cause we've been down here for so long I wanna be free with no wings When I fly in the sky, I feel fine You don't deserve me, baby, I know Cause I've been loyal, baby, so long I wanna be free with no wings When I fly in the sky, I feel fine But it wasn't your fault anyway I had to give it up, so what would you say? I gotta choose me, baby, someday But you'll never, never, ever know But you'll never, ever, ever know But you'll never, never, ever know But you'll never, never, ever know But you'll never, never, never know J'avoue que je t'ai fait perdre ton temps L'impression d'avoir perdu une partie de moi La vie n'est plus pareille sans toi La lame a transpercé mon cœur Le sang n'arrête pas de couler Je prie le ciel qu'un jour tu reviennes vers moi Peux-tu m'accorder une nouvelle chance Je t'assure que je serai plus tenté Effacer toutes les méfiances qui guident tes choix Laisse-moi soigner tes douleurs Apaiser tes souffrances je veux que tu me refasses confiance Dois-je me faire à l'idée de ne plus être avec toi Plus jamais Never, never, ever know